At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. Shifting our attention to next season, I am pleased to announce that we are planning to return to a normal calendar and schedule with a robust slate of 10 poll events. Our complete 21-22 schedule, which will be released between the end of the final and the draft, will feature the Winter Classic on January 1st at Target Field in Minneapolis with a game between the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota Wall. We will celebrate Honda NHL All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas. On February 26th, the Nashville Predators will play host to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the 2022 Navy Federal Credit Union Stadium Series game at the Tennessee Titans home, Nissan Stadium. And while we're not yet finalized, we plan to host a Tim Horton's Heritage Classic in March. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about off-season hockey because it is the officially the off-season for everyone at this point. The Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions. They have gone back-to-back, and so the off-season calendar is officially underway. We're going to dive into all that and the Golden Knights news that has happened in the past week and a half or so on this week's episode. I, of course, am Ben Goats, one of your Golden Knights Review Journal beat writers. Joining me today is no one. I am doing this podcast by myself. My colleague, David Shane, who, of course, is normally on these with me, is taking a well-deserved break. So he is gone this week. I will try my best to you know hold up the ship as best I can while he's gone because there's so much to get into, and I'm excited to talk about it with all of you guys. But it is going to be a solo Ben pod today, or if you are a Star Wars fan, a Ben Solo pod, and I will do my best to do my best Kylo Ren impression for, you know, the next half hour or so. Before we get rolling, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, also, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. Just because the offseason is here doesn't mean that our work is over. We've got stories populating the site as we speak, including my piece on the lessons the Golden Knights can learn from the back-to-back champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And we'll have so much more to come in the days ahead once the offseason really gets underway. And of course, you guys, if you could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do to this one. It would very much be appreciated. Maybe don't review off this episode because this is going to be, you know, an interesting uh, climb for yours truly. But, you know, if you like our normal shows, Yeah, feel free to do all that. Uh, Before we get started, just a reminder of the off-season calendar coming up here in the NHL, uh, July 21st, less than two weeks from now because we are recording this uh, on the Thursday, the day after the Stanley Cup final concluded. Uh, July 21st is the Seattle expansion draft. Then two days later, July 23rd is the first round of the entry draft. Uh, The next day is rounds two through seven of the NHL draft. And then July 28th, so, you know, a little less than uh, three weeks from now as we're recording this, free agency will open at 9 a.m. Pacific time. 
So that's setting up the offseason now to dive into uh, the news that we didn't cover on our last show because we last recorded basically right after the Golden Knights lost to the Montreal Canadiens and did all their exit interviews and we tried to preview the Golden Knights offseason. Well, we've had a lot of stuff happen since then. Uh, the big one, the All-Star Game is coming to Las Vegas. Uh, yes, Commissioner Gary Bettman at his pre-Stanley Cup final availability said that the NHL All-Star Game will be held at T-Mobile Arena. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen because the league hasn't announced the uh, 2021-22 schedule yet. That is supposed to be coming sometime between now, now that the Stanley Cup final is over, and the start of the draft. So at that point, we will hopefully have a better idea of the exact date of the NHL All-Star Game, but it is coming. Uh, Usually it's around late January in a typical calendar, and that would, of course, be very interesting if that were to happen again uh, next season because the NFL's Pro Bowl is coming February 6th. 2022 so that could uh, be a very busy couple weeks in the las vegas sports calendar uh the biggest question and why the date isn't set yet is whether the nhl is going to go to the olympics or not in 2022 and that is still getting worked out uh there are still negotiations going on um to see if that's going to happen uh commissioner gary benton sure sounded pretty pessimistic at that pre-stanley cup final availability which would obviously uh be a huge bummer for hockey fans as a random aside uh, i bet if you gave uh, some of the uh, knights front office people truth serum right now they would probably be okay with not going to the olympics because they're probably going to have a lot of potential olympians on their roster and that would be a lot of hockey for those guys when you're thinking about you know going deep into the playoffs uh, last postseason in the bubble kind of a shortened off season doing the condensed schedule this year, going deep in the playoffs again. Now you have a shorter offseason again into what's going to be, uh, we think, a full 82-game regular season. And you're talking about some of these Knights players, you know, all that previous hockey plus a full regular season next year, plus potentially the Olympics for a lot of their key guys. I mean, we're talking about Max Pacioretty probably contending to be on Team USA, Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, maybe even Marc-Andre Fleury being on Team Canada. Uh, William Carlson and Robin Leonard probably being on Team Sweden. Uh, That's a lot of key guys on this Golden Knights team that would be asked to play a lot of hockey. So the the Golden Knights themselves might be okay with uh, the Olympics not happening, even though, like I said, I would love to watch best on best Olympic hockey. I think it's been way too long. But uh, whether or not that ends up happening is going to play a huge role in determining when the All-Star game is going to happen. It's going to be, no matter what, a super exciting weekend. Um, For those of you that aren't super familiar or don't pay attention to the All-Star Game regularly, uh, here's basically how it works. One day is a skills competition, uh, which features events like Fastest Skater, which is guys just basically doing a lap around an ice rink. Uh, Hardest Shot, which is pretty much as simple as it sounds. You just have a, a clock that measures speed, and you just see who... Has the fastest shot, a uh, save streak, which is where goalies, you don't know, have to save a bunch of basically shootout uh, attempts. And whoever saves the most in the ro- in a row wins. Marc-Andre Fleury won that event one year with the Golden Knights. It's just basically a bunch of fun ways for the league's best players to show off what they can do on a hockey rink. And it's usually uh, pretty entertaining. I like what they've done with the skills competition uh, recently. In recent years, they keep adding new stuff, keep reinventing stuff. 
it's a little bit more engaging than some of the stuff they used to do. And then the All-Star game itself is basically a three-on-three tournament between the four divisions. So it's pretty simple, um, pretty much up and down action, a lot of high-scoring games, obviously. Uh, The Pacific Division has actually won two out of the three events that have been held since the Knights have been around. So we'll see if the Pacific Division can go uh, three for four in the Knights' uh, existence now that they will be on home turf this upcoming year. Uh, So it should be uh, really interesting, really exciting. should be a super fun event. So make sure to mark that down on your calendar for next year. Now, the other big announcement since we last recorded uh, is the fact that the Golden Knights have their first Vezina Trophy winner in franchise history. Yes, Marc-Andre Fleury ended up edging out Andre Vasilevsky, who only had to settle for the Conn Smythe Trophy for playoff MVP yesterday. Boo-hoo for that guy, right? Um, but he won, Marc-Andre Fleury won the award for the first time in his career. It was also the first time he was even a finalist. That had been kind of this, you know, crazy stat that you could throw out at people, or I guess crazy factoid that'd be like, hey, Marc-Andre Fleury, likely Hall of Famer. Did you know he's never even been in the top three of the Vezina Trophy voting? Well, that asterisk has been removed forever from his resume because he's got the trophy. He got 108 points uh, from the NHL GMs, who are the ones who vote for uh, this award. Uh, the you know writers vote for a lot of the NHL's awards. The Vesna is not one of them. This one's the GMs. Uh, Vasilevsky got uh, 99 points, nine less than Flurry, so it was very very close. Uh, Flurry ended up getting two more first place votes. Then Andre Vasilevsky and two more third place votes. Uh, Vasilevsky got one more second place vote uh, than Flurry, but wasn't enough for him to overtake Flurry in the voting. So you have this guy, Marc Andre Flurry, who obviously had a sensational season, and hopefully we did a good job covering it for you guys on this podcast. So we don't need to rehash all the insane statistics uh, that he put up this year. But as I mentioned earlier, he was already almost certainly a Hall of Fame goaltender before this happened. I think this has got to make him essentially a lock when he does eventually retire. And, you know, obviously in his uh, kind of acceptance uh, Zoom call with the media, he very much poo-pooed, you know, looking to retire anytime soon. He said he still loves playing and as long as he enjoys playing and enjoys basically, you know, quote-unquote coming to work every day, he's going to keep doing it. And so it just kind of is this cherry on top of what's been, you know, almost a legacy defining season for Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, you have him moving up to uh, third place all time in wins behind only Martin Martin Brodeur and Patrick Waugh. And then he now wins the Vesna Trophy for the first time. And when you think of, you know, three of the guys in the top five all time in wins with Fleury have multiple Vesnas. This was a big kind of hole that he was able to feel on his resume to be considered, you know, one of the kind of greatest to ever do it. And it becomes a remarkable story when you think back to the conversations that Dave and I were having on this podcast uh, last postseason and offseason, where it's all about, well, Robin Leonard took Marc-Andre Fleury's job in the playoffs and for the most part did very well last year. Uh, Fleury was clearly not happy about it based on the fact that uh, his agent, Alan Walsh, tweeted that infamous picture of a sword in his back with the words DeBoer written on it. So there's a little bit of a goalie controversy going on. It looks like the Knights might have to move 
one of those two guys, they don't. They end up sticking with both. They have a $12 million goaltending tandem, the second most expensive in the NHL behind only uh, Montreal's. And Marc-Andre Fleury completely rebounds, has one of the best seasons of his career, reclaims that number one job, and obviously goes out and uh, wins the Vesna. He played deeper in his crease, which he said helped him out a lot. He got a lot of help from his defense because the Knights were a solid defensive team for a lot of the year. And not only did he take home the Vesna, he won the Jennings Trophy as well because the Knights gave up the fewest amount of goals in the NHL. He shared that award with Robin Leonard. Uh, at 36 years old, Fleury was the oldest winner since Boston's Tim Thomas in 2011, who also won the Conn Smythe that year for helping the Bruins defeat the Canucks in that Stanley Cup final. Now, Fleury's future, as we've touched on, is still at least a little up in the air because the Knights' $12 million goal tending tandem is a relatively uh, big question mark. We touched on that last episode. Uh, but for now, let's just say... That night uh, that he won, and uh, unfortunately for him, he found out that he won basically the day after Game 6 against Montreal. So not ideal timing, but he was in a better place to talk about it uh, you know, later during the actual Stanley Cup final. And you know what? Let's just hear from the man himself. Here's what Marc-Andre Fleury had to say after winning the Vesna Trophy. Uh, like I said, it's, it's such an honor, right? I would obviously try this to, to be playing, still be playing right now, but... Um, no, I think it's, um, I don't know, when, when you look at the list of guys that, that won this trophy, you know, a lot of them I, I love watching, I idolize watching, you know, and uh, it's it's such an honor to to be amongst them. And, um, you know, like I've said before, I think I, our team was such, um, had such a commitment to, to play the right way and play well defensively and blocking shots and uh, making me look better, right? And um, honestly, I think that, um, no, for Gulli to, to win this, you still need a good team in front of you to, um, to help you out. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855 One Hour for $50 off your repair or visit onehourair.com. Always on time, or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another bit of news that I wanted to touch on uh, before, you know, getting out of here is uh, Dave, before he went uh, away for a little bit to uh, clear his mind and recharge, uh, did an interview with Knights owner Bill Foley, uh, wrote a story that's up on the RJ uh, right now. It's dated July 3rd. So if you are gone for July 4th weekend, like myself, and you missed it, make sure to uh, read that story. There's a lot of interesting things that Bill Foley had to say, and so I'm going to go through some of them right now. Uh, one of them, shockingly, is that Foley said the Knights are going to work this offseason on improving that old power play because they went 0 for 15 in the semifinals against Montreal. Now, he didn't specify whether uh, improvements are going to come from you know different schemes, new personnel. 
Obviously, a mixture of both is very possible, if not probable. Uh, I think anyone who watches the Knights plays know that one of the things their power play is lacking a lot of times is movement. So that's kind of the scheme part of it. Of guys just kind of go to their spots, whether they're on the half wall, their net front, uh, they're in the bumper, and they are just there the entire time the puck is in the ozone. There's not a lot of interchanging going on where guys are swapping places and giving the defense different looks, you know, even during the same power play. So that's one schematic thing um, that I'm curious to see if they end up adjusting. Now, personnel-wise, what I'd be interested to see if they do differently is whether they get someone that's a little bit more adept at playing the bumper role because they haven't gotten a ton of production from that spot. So uh, for those that are having a hard time visualizing what you know the quote-unquote bumper is on the power play, it's basically the guy in the middle between the two uh, face-off circles, you know, kind of right in the middle there in the slot area. So not directly in front of the crease, kind of, you know, between the hash marks where you see a lot of, you know, quick passes to get in that area and then quick shots that can fire like directly in front of the goaltender. So if you've watched, you know, Tampa Bay play at all this postseason, Braden Point is their main bumper guy on the power play. And there was a lot of times where the lightning worked really hard to kind of give him quick passes inside where he could fire off a quick shot and then beat a goaltender before the goalie had time to react. And uh, Point obviously had an incredible playoff run. Uh, He had 12 power play points in the playoffs in that role. If you look at uh, the night bumper guys this season, uh, they're mainly, you know, William Carlson and Riley Smith with some Chandler Stevenson. Uh, Those guys finished uh, with a combined seven power play goals during the regular season. Uh, Braden Point had seven power play goals by himself in the postseason. So that was an area that Tampa Bay got a lot of production from, and the Knights really didn't all year. So that's something I'm curious if they mix that up at all in terms of personnel and maybe move, you know, Carlson, Stevenson, Smith over to a half wall on the second unit or something like that. So those are two changes that I think they could make, but obviously Foley didn't specifically say anything about what changes are being made. He just said that, Hey, we're going to address this, which is not at all a surprise. Then he had this to say on the tandem in net that we've talked so much about uh, quote, that's all going to be up for discussion when we start talking with the pro scouts in two weeks or so. I like having our two goalies. They're both skilled. They're both great guys. Alternating two top goalies like that, really getting into a tandem situation, I believe really helps. But we'll just have to see how things evolve over this next few weeks or so. Um, So this is interesting because Bill Foley was a pretty big advocate for having this tandem uh, last year. Remember, Dave did a kind of interview with him around the draft, which the Knights had uh, remotely in his kind of ranch in Montana. So Dave talked to him then fully kind of advocated for like, I'd really like both goalies. I think that could really help us. And obviously uh, he was proven correct, especially during the condensed schedule that the Knights went through that having, you know, both those top end goalies and keeping them both fresh helped the Knights uh, tie for the most regular season points in the NHL. They had the most wins in the NHL and those two guys combined to win the Vesna trophy. 
Now, this seems a little bit more lukewarm than Foley was last year in terms of he's saying, I like what these guys both bring, but I can maybe be talked out of it. Is at least this is me very much reading between the lines. And as we talked on our last podcast, what we kind of heard from Knights coach Pete DeBoer was, hey, this was great for the circumstances we were in in terms of the condensed schedule and all that. But those circumstances won't be the same anymore. And so I think, you know, Pete DeBoer was kind of hinting at, I don't know if this is going to work next year. And I think this is Bill Foley leaving the door open a little bit of, I can be uh, talked out of, you know, keeping both these guys around. But I think he likes it. And obviously it's going to present a fascinating conundrum for the Knights because uh, as Dave has mentioned, you know, Foley has basically been on the record saying he wants uh, Marc-Andre Fleury to retire in Las Vegas. I obviously think Marc-Andre Fleury has been very clear that he would like to retire in Las Vegas. And so he is entering the last year of his contract. He's making $7 million a year. So do they work out an extension with Marc-Andre Fleury and look to trade Robin Leonard? Because in that case, you're giving up on a guy who's also been a recent Vesna Trophy finalist, is under contract for four more seasons at a very reasonable for a top-end goaltender, $5 million a year. And a guy who, you know, when your season was on the line in Game 6 against Montreal, Robin Leonard was the guy you trusted to be in there rather than Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, it makes for a just fascinating discussion and decision point for the Golden Knights because if they want to improve their scoring or their power play, which obviously dried up late in the year, the easiest way to create cap room is to get rid of one of those two goaltenders. Not because, you know, like, you know, we've mentioned this before, not because those two don't get along because obviously they do. They've both been very clear about they like working with each other. Uh, they like hanging out with each other. They have a good relationship. It's not about, you know, a controversy in terms of, you know, these guys can't be in uh, the same locker room together. It's more about like, is this the best, you know, asset management you can do as a hockey team working with, you know, re- monetary restrictions in the form of a salary cap and especially a flat cap where you need to clear space now in order to get space. The cap isn't just going to go up for you like it was in previous years you're gonna have to make space for yourself and the knights already kind of need some space if they're going to make a run at retaining alec martinez and then they will need even more space if they want to find someone that can help their scoring in the playoffs so does that necessitate a move of one of those gold goalies i guess we'll have to see but it seems like flirt or foley's you know, kind of drawing less of a hard line in the sand than he was last year. Maybe that's me overreacting to it, but it does seem he's a little bit more open to potentially one of those guys not being in a Knights uniform next season. We'll see. Uh, Foley's closing thought was this, which was interesting. You know, anything we do, we're going to try to make the team better. We're not giving up. I'm not disappointed in anyone on that team or the effort they put forth. I just feel like we got a little unlucky. It's as simple as that. Now, I'm not quite sure that the Knights got unlucky, obviously. I think for the most part, they got outplayed by Montreal after the Knights outplayed Colorado and outplayed Minnesota, two teams that coming into the postseason, we all certainly thought were much better 
than Montreal. But I totally understand him not being disappointed in the team. I think, obviously, it was a very successful season for the Knights. They just didn't get ultimately where they wanted to go. And we'll see what that means for this offseason because this is a franchise that we've said numerous times has not been afraid of shaking things up, of making a splash, of making the big move. And it's interesting because I think a lot of teams are a little bit more gun-shy than the Golden Knights. I think a lot of teams would not have traded away Paul Stasny and Nate Schmidt last offseason in order to add Alex Petrangelo. Now, did that ultimately make the Golden Knights a better team? You know, I think you could debate that a little bit. It did get the Knights uh, one win closer to the Stanley Cup because they won two games in the semifinals this year compared to one game against Dallas the year before. But it'll be interesting to see what they view the next step is this time. Do they feel like they do need to make another big move and make a big swing for, you know, let's say a uh, Jack Eichel, obviously, because he's the big name out there. Or do they think that they want to just, you know, tweak around the margins a little bit and just shore up some of their depth areas and that'll help. I mean, certainly you could go either way. Pete DeBoer brought up the Tampa example. Now the back-to-back champions, they're just the one-time champions when he brought them up, but just that was a team that had to kind of beat its head against the wall for a little bit before finally breaking through. They lost the 2015 final to Chicago. They ended up losing in uh, two semifinals, including in a game seven to Washington. The year the Capitals beat the Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup. They got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams after winning the President's Trophy uh, just two years ago. And since then, the Lightning have won eight straight playoff series. They've become only the second team in the salary cap era to go back to back. The other, of course, was Marc-Andre Fleury's Pittsburgh Penguins right before he was selected in the expansion draft. You know, so we'll see whether the Knights think that, you know what, we just need to keep on the same path. And just like the Lightning did the year they won the Cup, where they made some tweaks to their third line in terms of adding Blake Coleman, adding Barclay Goudreau, that's the route we're going to take. Or whether the Knights think that, you know what, we do need to add another top-end piece, and that's what's going to get us back to the Stanley Cup final. We'll see. There's a lot of routes they can go. There's going to be a lot of movement this offseason, even though we're in, obviously, a year two of the flat cap era. Obviously, Seattle's going to play a huge role in that in terms of moving some pieces around, and it'll be really interesting to follow. So as a reminder for everyone, as we set up this calendar, uh, July 21st is going to be the Seattle expansion draft. The Knights will not have to expose any players to the Kraken, but it will be interesting to kind of watch from the side to see, A, do the Knights get involved in any trades and potentially you know snag some players that teams are going to have to expose anyway so they'd rather uh you know give them to the knights for something you know draft picks or prospects or whatever rather than have to give the player that they're going to expose anyway to seattle for nothing that's one role the knights could play in all this or the knights could get involved in side deals or just you know come through and uh, take some guys off seattle's hands because the knights flipped a bunch of players after selecting them in the expansion draft, and the Kraken could certainly look to do the same. Uh, then 
Two days after the expansion draft is the first round of the NHL draft. The Knights will, of course, be selecting in the back half of the draft. They will be selecting uh, 29th. Technically, I don't remember whether they're going to label it that they're selecting 29th or they're selecting 30th because, uh, for those of you who don't know, the Arizona Coyotes have had their draft pick uh, forfeited because they were basically testing players uh, before the draft, uh, you know, not within the normal kind of times you can do that. So they ended up uh, giving away their draft picks. So they technically, I think that their pick is still there. It's still listed as, you know, the Coyotes pick. They're just not going to actually get a player with this. So whether you want to say that the Knights are actually picking, you know, 29th or 30th is just a weird technicality. But they're picking toward the end of the first round. And they'll also be picking toward the top of the second round thanks to the Nikita Gusev trade with the New Jersey Devils. They have the Devils' second-round pick this year, which is going to be a, a very high pick, um, and that's the only uh, first-round pick uh, or second-round pick the Knights will have this year because they gave up their second-round pick in the Matthias Yanmark trade. And then from there, July 28th, free agency opens at 9 a.m. Obviously, wouldn't expect the Knights to be too, too active in the free agent market right now. They would need to clear some cap space to get active, but uh, never say never with this franchise. Uh, the one guy, of course, to look at there will be Alec Martinez, whether he actually gets to uh, market that day and whether the Knights are able to retain him or whether he leaves for another team. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. Hopefully it wasn't too painful for me to go Kylo Ren on you guys and have a Ben Solo pod. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Really appreciate all the support that we've received throughout this season. Uh, just a reminder that we are sponsored by One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, also, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. And if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast, do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. This was the Golden Edge Podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.